listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hey, Mickey. Hey, Bob. So uh, we have a quiz for you. Oh. Perhaps, perhaps an overly complicated quiz. Uh, I'm sure I'll a, handle it. Uh, a, a U.S. senator mm-hmm. has proposed creating a new bureaucracy in the executive office of the president mm-hmm. to deal with what policy? And you have a, a variety of choices here, Bob. Oh, good. Let's see. Uh, loneliness. Um, loneliness. I'm going with loneliness. Lonely, wait, we haven't even got to the rest of the list. I know, Aton- but I think it was lonely. Okay, go ahead, though. At- atonement? No, no. Privilege? No, that's too stereotypically woke. Polarization? That's yesterday's problem. And today's and tomorrow's, but still. Mobility? What? What's wrong with mobility? What? It's the, decreasing. The, go ahead. The crisis of people moving? But no, moving up in the economic ladder. Never Anomie. mind. And me. Can we complete that with loneliness? Like if I get either one, if I choose either one and it's either one, I win? You could get enemy because it's French. So it's obviously not enemy. No. Uh, uh, Fertility, they're going to, no, they're they're not anti-fertility. That's a, that's a crude stereotype. They would be Um, pro-fertility. Oh, pro-fertility. No, that's too controversial. Involves sex. Social equality, no, too stereotypically woke. Cognitive empathy, I think not. No. Um, uh, for, didn't we already do fertility? Do you, do you have fertility? Yeah, I have fertility twice? twice. It's fertile. Well, it's in the it's, nature of fertility, yes, to reproduce yeah. <laughs> itself. Um, also, we have the final one, senility. Psychotropics. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going with loneliness. I'm going with loneliness. Self-esteem? Now, that's that's yesterdecade. Sprawl, decadence? Very rust out that. Yeah, well, no, that's that's a Republican issue. Um, well, Bob, I got it, didn't I? You got it. And who is the senator? Uh, look, I can't. Don't press your luck. I don't it's know. Senator, who is the senator? It's a senator you like, Bob. That does narrow it down. In fact, no names come to mind. It narrows it down to zero. Chris is Murphy? Chris doesn't Murphy? come to mind? Yeah. Well, I liked him more a year ago. What did he do uh, wrong? He went kind of full on uh, over the top blob on Ukraine, I would say. More than was huh. necessary. More than was necessary. Well, he's he's uh, with the conventional wisdom on loneliness. And I agree with that. The loneliness is a big problem. But what's uh, what is wrong with what he's proposing? Um, uh, it's it's a problem that government can't solve. No, it's a problem government might help. But it's a, a classic bullshit Washington solution, which is we loneliness is a problem. So we need a national loneliness policy. So let's have a mm-hmm. new bureaucracy, the Office of Social Connection Policy in the mm-hmm. White House that will have an advisory council and it'll come up with this national loneliness policy mm-hmm. and it'll take five years and employ a lot of people. Uh, uh, the, you know, it's Mickey, if, he, the, if, the, he, if he's so smart, he should come up with the solutions himself and and, uh, and propose them. The streamlined that would be, be constructive. The boiled down version of the algorithm you just laid out in all its beautiful complexity is something must be done. This is something. Therefore, we must do this. Right. That's right. the logic. And um, I, I mean, you know, Mike Lee had a, had a uh, said that the the decline of social capital, but which is sort of the same thing, uh, you know, community connectedness that's valuable. Um, 
uh, was important. And he formed his own task force and they seem to have aborted before they came up with solutions, but didn't waste a lot of taxpayer money or start a, you know, a bureaucracy that just bugs other bureaucracies saying, I know you're working on nuclear power, but could you say what you're, what you're doing to contribute to ending loneliness? Uh, anyway, it's, uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's, 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 not a good way to approach things. It's a classic Washington make-believe. Will there solution. be uh, will there be subsidies for uh, buying sex bots? Well, That's I mean, when the solution. AI, AI be... is uh, actually, you know, oh, I meant to research this. I heard something that Netflix has a, like a dating game, except with not sex bots. What was the term? I'll, I'll, I'll look into this. We're getting there. We're we are getting to the point where I will personally demand government subsidies for sex bots. Well, that could, the Office of Loneliness Policy will be riven with uh, with discord because there'll be the people who think artificial solutions to loneliness are valuable and those who want the old style organic, you know, the crunchy con types. Um, the, uh, my solution is food trucks. I've told you my solution. Um, yeah, we had, we had a long... Uh, yeah. Food trucks repartee, it seems like years ago. Has that idea evolved at all, or is it still mainly food and trucks? It's mainly food and trucks. <laughs> um, but you could have, you know, what it's basically like, you know, once a week there's a community gathering in your neighborhood, which is mm -hmm. small, not citywide, but, you know, like 20 square blocks or something. And, uh, and food trucks come, and if you want to have, you know, sex spots on the side, that's fine was, too. But uh, I was just about to ask. Will there be uh, sex bots you, in the trucks? But, you know, people show up and you can meet your neighbors. I don't know. And it's free food. What the hell? You know, serious, there's a serious point here, uh, which is that people are going to be using AI to address their loneliness. You know? I know. I mean, what's that company? Repl is Replica the company that, that makes buddies for you? You can have your own digital yes, buddy? but they're pathetic. Mm -hmm. But they'll get better. And you heard that there's going to be a uh, there's going to be a new James Dean movie, Back to Eden or something, with a with an AI James Dean, fake James Dean, deep fake James Dean. They're actually going to make a movie, me, and it's going to be all about global warming, right? No, it's going to be about yeah. I was amazed that the reboot of the Day the Earth Stood Still made it not about nuclear Armageddon, but about global warming. We you learned that? that from one of our many alert That's, parrot room commenters. That's so pathetic. Although it was more well, pathetic. Well, it's a bad week. It was, it, it it's was a more bad pathetic. week to it was say more pathetic that you shouldn't worry about global warming, Mickey. There are people melting all over the globe. Not where I am. I have the solipsistic view. In Los Angeles, we're protected by coastal mountains, and it's a beautiful 80 degrees. When I did my podcast with the Russians with Attitude, guys, one of them was complaining about how hot it was, and he was in Siberia. Siberia, hmm. Mickey. Uh, that's bad. Uh, West, so, Western Siberia, but still Siberia. Uh, how did we get on this? They're remaking uh, oh, global AI. warming. Yeah, yeah. We could it's follow weird. the chain back I've, if we were younger and more vigorous, but let's move on. Okay, I I, I actually went on a dating site. Ooh, the other day, kind of buried it, the lead here. It's Mickey. a very artificial experience. The people might as well be bots. You know, I mean, that's like true people probably, generally. Probably some of them are. Mm -hmm. And um, arguably, you would have the same experience if they were or they weren't. Uh, did anyway, you strike up a conversation with anybody? I didn't get that far. I didn't because I didn't. I didn't you have enough lurking? photos. 
I didn't have enough photos. You have to have six photos on this site. And I felt like saying, there are hundreds of videos of me on Blogging Heads. If you want to know what I look like, go to Blogging Heads but, uh, mm -hmm. or, or to Non-Zero. Mm -hmm. But uh, Show them the one where you have the Nancy Pelosi inflatable doll. That'll, nothing attracts the babes like not, an inflatable doll. You be nice to my Nancy Pelosi doll. <laughs> and have I shown you my Star Wars memorabilia? <laughs> okay. Right next, anyway. yeah. So, but you know, there are things going on in the world, aside from loneliness. The Ukrainian counteroffensive is gaining steam. Any moment now. Uh, a lot is going on there. Now, it, there may be other things you want to talk about on the domestic front. Yeah, yeah there are. But I've, uh, I have a question about uh, the, the, the counteroffensive is foundering on old-style deep fortifications that the Russians have erected. Wasn't the wasn't the the military reform movement and maneuver warfare and strategies supposed to obviate these Maginot Line defenses and make them obsolete? And yet here we are fighting World War One, and uh, you know Colonel James Boyd and maneuver warfare seem nowhere in sight. Funny you should mention that. Um, the uh, you know there was a, a group of very well known military analysts who went to Ukraine and just got back not long ago, Michael Kaufman, Rob Lee, and a guy named, what is it, Gady or something. Uh, and uh, they've all reported in various uh, venues, at least in a preliminary way, about what they found. It, one thing they agree on is that, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of key preparation for the offensive, they didn't put it this way, but it was just a failure. What happened was, you know, we trained nine brigades. That's like, tens of thousands of, of guys in Europe, NATO trained them, and they were supposed to train them in combined arms warfare. That's where you kind of intricately coordinate various elements, you know, tanks, artillery, infantry, some sort of air support, even if only drones, and you do it on a large these, scale, these and you hit them hard. These yeah. are Ukra Ukrainians being trained. Yeah, 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 yeah. These were, of the 12 brigades that were kind of designated for this, although there are others that have participated, but the new brigade, the 12 brigades stood up, nine were trained in Europe in combined arms warfare. Right. And basically, they didn't train them for long enough. Um, I remember months ago listening to Kaufman and Dmitry Alperovich on a podcast, like maybe five, six months ago, saying they're training them for like, it was either six weeks or eight weeks. And they're like, hmm, that's not much. And these guys are mostly fresh conscripts. And, 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 you know, you learn a lot through experience in any weird endeavor like war. And if you've never been in it, uh, you're going to learn your lessons painfully. And so, look, these guys, these analysts who have come back and are talking about this have, have specified a number of things, including what you mentioned, uh, the depth of the entrenchments. And by the way, some tricks that Russians have come up with, you know, we had we sent these like mine sweeping vehicles and the Russians uh, by stacking like three anti-tank mines on top of one another and burying them, they're blowing those up. So those are, those I think have become virtually worthless. And, and, and I think they've been blown up. We didn't give them many and I don't know if we're going to give them more. But anyway, um, they all agreed that, that they, you know, they can't do combined arms warfare. I, I think they would also say this is a very challenging environment for it. They don't have air superiority. There's mines everywhere. And again, the minesweepers aren't working. Um, 
And the Russians spent a long time preparing. I mean, the funny thing is that the guy who gets credit for this on the on the Russian side is the guy nobody's seen in public for weeks, Surovikin. You know, he prepared the defensive lines and the protocol, the strategy for how you use them. Um, do, do the Russians have air superiority? Uh, I think they, they are apparently closer to it than Ukraine is. I mean, in that initial, the first attempt at combined arms, you know, they sent this brigade down. They really gave it a try and they got smashed. And I know that uh, Russian helicopters took something of a toll I mean, on that one. I, I, who got smashed, the Russians or the Ukrainians? No, 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 the Ukrainians. This was the initial so, thing right. where you had this so, picture of like seven armored vehicles right, right, right. together. So Smashed. I mean, if we were fighting this war, we would call in airstrikes and just blow all this these fortifications up, right? I mean, um, we we would we would win this war if you put our army against the Russian fortifications, uh, because we would have air superiority. We would we would presumably just use air, use the air to to blow them up, right? I don't know. I mean, you know, a lot of these. The Michael Kaufmans of the world say these F-16s aren't going to be a game changer. And that's kind of what you're talking about. Uh, you know, I, I think, look, if you, if you, you know, if you could, if you could have exactly the armamentarium, if that's the word that you want, with much better um, air defense capabilities, for example, and mobile air defense capabilities, I'm sure if you spelled it all out, and you had your ideal array of weaponry. Yeah, probably. Um, and and look, yes, I, I think our people are better trained in combined arms warfare. It's hard to do, uh, and 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 they don't just train them for six weeks, right? I mean, what about what about warthogs? The plane that <laughs> is so so useful that the Pentagon wants to stop producing it. Yeah, this is a this is a Rick Hertzberg talking point, circa nineteen eighty seven. It's still going on. They they haven't killed it yet, but they're going to kill it this year, I think. But yeah. they have something more expensive and and less effective that they're going to sell to us. The uh, uh, okay, uh, well that's listen, depressing. Yeah, I mean, look, anything could happen. There could be some big Russian collapse, but basically, it seems to me Biden really needs to push things toward peace talks. Well, um, right this now, this yeah. in itself is pushing things towards peace talks. Well, I think I think it is changing the environment in that direction. It needs to. Um, and, you know, there, as I've said, as I said months ago, there is the danger that you exhaust your resources on a failed counteroffensive. Russia starts feeling its oats, maybe has to do another mobilization, but winds up taking Kharkiv and Odessa, which is, which they would like to have. And uh, so... You know, we're not in as strong a bargaining position as we were before the offensive started. That's for sure. But is it? Yeah. Right. No, isn't the U.S. doesn't the U.S. election affect this? In other words, if Biden could announce we have peace in Ukraine uh, before the election, uh, he thinks that would be very good for him. It wouldn't be as good as he thinks it would because Americans don't care about foreign policy. But that'll be a good feather in his cap. Uh, so isn't that depends that sort on of? And that sort of drive him to starting it soon? I mean, especially if it's spun as de facto Ukrainian victory for whatever reason. That'll be a whole debate, you know, among the talking heads, like uh, when there's peace. And uh, at this point, you know, Russia would be keeping some Ukrainian territory. And 
So there will be an argument. I think the way I would put it is the kind of peace you'd think he could get now will probably be better for him than ongoing war would be a year from now, right? Right. Because it's just going to like, that's not going to look like success. If if this is still going on, it's hard to imagine it looking like success. And uh, so politically, I would think he'd be wise to do this now. I mean, the other big, yeah, go ahead. I don't think voters care what the contours of the settlement is. I'm sorry. It may be very I, important I, whether Russians get Kharkiv. Americans don't give a shit. I kind of agree. Voters. I mean, there will be the big debate among the elites, but I kind they, of agree that most votes, Americans don't care how it comes out. Right. And, and the right has this whole thing where they're shifting against, they're against the war, and Biden would just cut that off. He would cut off that source. Yeah, of yeah no, I think I think it's his, in his interest to end it. I think you can really make the case that even if Russia kept everything they've got now, of course, it depends on what security arrangements for Ukraine are. Are they in NATO? Blah, blah, blah. But I think you can very much make the case that uh, it's not a victory for Russia. And uh, it's a kind of victory for Ukraine. If you remember where they were a couple of weeks into the invasion, this would have seemed like paradise. The, you know, with the Russians be pushed back as far as they've been pushed back and not do what it seemed like they might do any moment, which is take Kiev and take Kharkiv. Um, they've been pushed out of Kherson. Uh, Ron DeSantis gave a much better answer when, in, when he was talking to Jake Tapper on Ukraine. But he said one thing that I think was wrong, which he said, and we wanted to negotiate a settlement that does not reward Russia for its aggression. Well, I mean... You could spin it as a victory for Ukraine, but it's still rewarding Russia for its aggression, right? Well, I mean, the, or what? Is there the, a way? The, is there the, a way the part, the part where they keep the territory is, is definitely, uh, and the question is whether, on balance, all things considered, like they want, you know, from their point of view, is it a strategic improvement? Actually, probably no. I mean, they didn't want Sweden and Finland in NATO. They didn't. There's a ton of stuff that are a consequence of this. That okay. Well, there you go. That's how. But, that's how DeSantis can worm his way out of that statement. Yeah, but uh, I, I will. I mean, the the other a weird thing that well, there's a couple of things that have happened that are that are big news. I mean, first of all, Russia's been bombing the shit out of Odessa. Um, at first, I thought that was retaliation for Ukraine trying to uh, bro blow up the Kerch Bridge. Uh, but it seems, uh, you know, the more they the bombing has, I mean, the missiles technically focused on the, the port infrastructure, uh, the more it does seem connected to this, the fact that the Russians are getting out of the grain deal as well. I don't know if they're getting out of it or not renewing it or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, somewhat ominously, they're saying any ship in the vicinity will be, you know, deemed in effect a belligerent. Um, and uh, so there's all there's all that. I mean, you you might hope that this is bargaining, but when they, you know, the, in other words, they just want a better deal on the grain deal or they want something else. But when they're blowing up all these ports, you kind of it doesn't seem like. It's going to be just a short-term inconvenience. But the other related thing, it may be related. This is very conjectural, but which could be related to Putin in this sense, kind of escalating. I mean, this is like a really serious assault on Odessa. And a weird thing happened 
uh, today. You know this guy, uh, Strelkoff or, or Gherkin? One of those is his nom de guerre. I forget which one. That we, we, no. we've, we've talked about him before. You brought him up. He was involved in the original Donetsk uprising, former FSB agent. This controversy over whether he was freelancing. This was before Russian troops showed up. Uh, but um, he was... Oh, that guy. Yeah. He was he was arrested today, and he by, by who? By the Russians. He was yeah. probably in Donetsk, but in in the part that I mean, Russia claims to have annexed Donetsk. Uh, in Russia, occupied Donetsk. Uh, I'm guessing, and uh, he, although he and Prigozhin hate each other, they both are considered these kind of angry patriots who are always agitating for a better fought war and criticizing the military. Okay. And then after he was arrested, a, a, a guy who had been involved with him, I think in the Donetsk uprising was in Russia and just, you know, held up a sign protesting his arrest or something. And he was arrested. So I, I think, you know, Putin Maybe feeling heat in the wake of the Prigozhin thing, maybe feeling heat from the nationalist right. I mean, if you if you ask what does he seem worried about right now, based on this kind of strange arrest of this Gherkin guy, Strokov, uh seems to feel some some heat. Maybe uh, maybe maybe that was the hidden part of the Prigozhin deal, which is uh okay, I'll stand down the Wagner Brigade, but you have to take out my rival uh private nationalist force as well. That would have been some pretty, I mean, they're rivals, but uh, they don't have that much consequence for each other, I don't think. Uh, that would be some pretty arcane bargaining when you're in the middle of, you know, where they were in the middle of when they were doing the bargaining. Um, by the way, Prigozhin does seem to be finally in Belarus uh, and uh, he may registered some kind of complaint about the conduct of the war, but he hasn't been criticizing individual Russians in the defense ministry anymore. Anyway, what I, what I want to say is I wonder if, uh, that this latest, uh, kind of escalation in a sense by Putin, um, of the war itself in the form of the bombing of Odessa, this is very conjectural. But I wonder if he's kind of feeling the heat from the nationalist right. And he's dealing with it domestically by neutralizing some of these guys. But he's also dealing it with it by giving their constituencies some of what they want in terms of the war. I, that's that's yeah, uh, kind of a wild hypothesis, yeah. I grant. But they're both very interesting uh, developments. Uh, the, uh, the prestigious Institute for the Study of War, uh, I know an outfit that you respect a lot, had a, had a piece with two seemingly contradictory points, which is one is the Russian army and defense, the prosecution of the war is riven with dissent. There are all these commanders who are questioning Gerasimov and the chain of authority. They're going outside the chain of authority. They're get publicly voicing their dissent. Putin is going outside the chain of authority and bypassing Gerasimov. It's a whole mess. And the other thing is that Putin isn't hearing the bad news. Well, it seems to be with all this dissent and and chaos, how does he not hear the bad news? Uh, uh, you know, the, the two propositions contradict each other. Yeah, that's never stopped ISW before. Um, the, uh, you do wonder how much news gets through to him. But you know damn well he, the, the, the arrest of, of Gherkin was cleared with him. Although that could have been initiated by people in the defense uh, I get, ministry. 
I guess they're enemies not, of Durkin. I guess he's not an online guy. If he was an ordinary American, he would go online and say, well, what's this blogger saying today? And, and he, he would is, find out. He is reportedly not an online guy at all, and that could be one of his problems. Um, uh, he's not on threads. Did you read that? Threads is... Uh, Tanking. Th threads, is, threads is definitely uh, not going to tell him the bad news. <laughs> no, that's his problem. Threads is very cheery. but He's, on, he's, he's on Threads. That's the problem. Have you heard the numbers on Threads? No, are they bad? Plummeting, tanking. There was a piece in the Wall Street Journal. Um, I, I did some research of my own on that, which I'll unveil later. What numbers did you come up with, Mickey? Well, it seems to me that uh, Twitter is winning the Maggie Haberman primary. In other words, she says she's going to post on both sites. But as of yesterday, she, she had posted in the, like, the last few days, uh, uh, she had posted 10, tweet, 10 threads on threads and 30 tweets on Twitter. So clearly she's finding that Twitter is the better platform for her. Game over. Uh, I think so. Uh, but you got Ezra Klein on threads, although he's been registering some complaints about it. But listen to this. Uh, so first of all, the graph is, I, I, I mean, the, the numbers are just way down over the peak. And to some extent, that's not surprising. There was the initial enthusiasm. But according to the uh, company that the Wall Street Journal is relying on for its estimates, um, Threads active daily users is 13 million. They spend an average of four to five minutes on the site. Uh, Twitter's average daily users is 200 million. And they spend an average of 30 minutes on the site. And again, Threads' lines are dropping sharply right now. Now, they say they're going to add all these uh, features that, if they had thought about it and wanted to, they could have added in, in the first place. I still think it was an intentional omission in some cases because of the way they were trying to shape the community. But uh, they claim they're now hustling to add various features. Uh, but it's like I'll, it's like my, my, my Elon Musk schadenfreude is playing a zero-sum game with my Mark Zuckerberg schadenfreude. It's just I'm, no I'm, winning here. I'm totally against Zuckerberg. The media has been pushing this especially the left, that Threads is destroying Elon. They they attacked him at a moment of vulnerability. He's destroyed Twitter, and Threads is providing the alternative, and it's all over for Twitter, and Threads is the future. And it was obviously wishful thinking and bullshit, and it, Bob, it showed everything that's wrong with today's media. Well, it wasn't obvious. I mean, it did seem like Threads was kind of catching on. It was obvious that they did not have the goods to show that Threads was going to defeat Twitter. No, and it's obvious that, like, I mean, you launch without, uh, you know, a browser-based version so that nobody can use a physical keyboard. That's that's a gamble. I, I think, as I've said, I think they thought that was excluding a certain type of person they wanted to exclude, uh, including the kind of, like, obsessive who's always screaming at people and and, you know, just hunting down people to attack or whatever. Maybe that's what they thought. But I can't believe... It was unintentional. It, it would be an oh. easy thing to develop, and and they didn't. And that, I, every time I looked at it, I thought, well, okay, but this is a passive experience. I mean, granted, I'm not as I, I I'm not as facile with typing on a smartphone as like younger people, or whatever. But still, it's just it's just a smartphone. You can't really dig in and engage. It's like I was just well, lurking. Also, I the part the I've been on threads, and I was trying to think is is the is the le are the left finding their friends and having a useful conversation? And they're definitely finding their friends. 
And they're talking about things and reinforcing each other, but is that really the conversation they want? Are they that interested in the warm bath of approval that they, they want to see Robert Rice say, you know, we're right. And other people say, you know, you're right, Bob. And, you know, it's, here's a new wrinkle in how horrible the right is. And uh, they're, they're not reaching anybody outside of their little orbit. And it, I don't think they're happy. They can't be happy with that. I'm sorry. Well, I don't think they're happy with recent numbers. The other question is how much of this traffic was from the beginning coming from Instagram, right? I mean, because that's where the great, you know, majority of people came from. They were transported from Instagram. Well, they can't be spending their time on both at once. So you would think that what was some of the impressive numbers uh, for threads at the beginning had come at Instagram's expense anyway. And and they're almost, I mean, it's just too much like Instagram to be a rival to Twitter. Um. Back to Ukraine. Did you read that article on Ukrainian Harper's? I read Ed Coulter's summary. It seemed pretty good. Well, that came out a couple of months ago, I think. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I listened to those guys on a podcast. I didn't read the piece. I mean, it was, uh, what, what were your main takeaways? One of the main takeaways were that it was just a big picture that, you know, NATO had nothing to do after we won the Cold War. We, so they started off being triumphalist and belligerent and humi- to humiliate uh, Russia and Putin. That seems completely congruent with what I was watching at the time. Yeah, I don't know if the goal of NATO expansion was to humiliate Putin, but the effect was, and there were people who wanted to do that. Um, It was sort of the mindset. It was like, gee, what's our next project? Where do we go from here? Well, right. But some of it was this do-gooder. We could could not humiliate Putin, but then we'd have nothing to do. So let's, you know. But there was also this... Let's uh, spread, uh, you know, democracy and markets and, right, you know, fine. But then uh, I, I, I just think it was a terrible idea. I don't think it served that goal. Uh, and, but you know. The Harper's article was not a, a breakthrough. It wasn't a paradigm shifter. Just accurately summarized the, yeah. a lot of what was wrong with what we did. Yeah, that's why I didn't read it. But I listened to them on a podcast. They seemed like... uh... You know who's very... You know who's very online? In a way, Uh, the obverse of what Putin is? A politician? Uh, Sort of. You got to give me some clues. There's a lot of people in the world, Mickey. Uh, He's a hate figure on the right. A hate object of the right. But you think it's ironic that he's online, so he must be old. No, it's not ironic. It's 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 supposedly telling that Fauci is he doesn't read anything. He spends his entire day online. Mm. I, I find that sort of hard to believe, but he's coordinating this vast army of scientists online. He doesn't really dig into their papers and see what's right or not. But um uh I was well, told I mean- that that is a flaw in how he operates. He doesn't dig into the papers of scientists? Yeah, did they use the right, you know... Yeah, I mean, the way he would if he was not trying to run the operation he runs. Yeah. They've got, they have got they got into huge trouble this week with, uh, with the, or these past few weeks, with the badinage, uh, the snarky frat boy badinage that preceded them uh, producing this paper pissing on the lab leak theory, which they all seem to sort of believe, but they pissed on it anyway. 
Wait, this is a recent paper or what of that early this one is in that Lancet? Dr. Christian somebody. Uh so it's an it's an old one or a new one? I can, you can't tell on the web. I don't I don't think it's a yeah, I mean new it's an old paper. Yeah, I think yeah, they're yeah, they're, I mean, they're slack like uh conversation online conversations have come out recently. Right. Now I remember those. Uh I was about to say, yeah, Fauci was online early in in the in the pandemic because we've seen we've seen all that stuff. Um so what else? What did you think of the oh wait a second? We gotta we gotta we gotta uh get you to confront this Spartacus thing, Mickey. Well, I mean I I what I said has been misinterpreted. I said, you know, <laughs> Bert Lancaster, and obviously what I meant, Bob, was, was Kurt that, Douglas, of course. Was no, they they miscast the role. The role should have gone to Bert Lancaster. Uh-huh. Uh, but they gave it to this guy, Kirk Douglas. Uh, that's all I was saying. I wasn't actually saying that Kurt Lancaster was in the movie, Bob. I mean, I And so that. when I said, didn't Kirk Douglas play Spartacus? And you said, no, Kurt Lancaster did. What you really meant was he should have. He should have. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, I see. I see. It makes sense. <laughs> that's this, the way I would have said it. Um, that was really embarrassing. Uh, I, it should be for you. And, you know, I didn't have the nerve to challenge you because you are descended from Hollywood royalty, after all. And I am a mere, you know, middle American. I know. It's true. You know, and I almost got away with it. Some people. It wasn't who, for those damn kids. People who watch the public podcast may not know that your grandmother, Gina Kaus, wrote the screenplay for the movie The Robe, which I Gina. watched as a child. Gina? Gina. As we, we called her Gina, yeah. It's G-I-N-A, right? Yeah. No, it's Gina. Uh, <laughs> we all said, hi, Gina. She didn't say, no, it's Gina. Maybe she was too polite. <laughs> uh, could be. I don't know. She wasn't a polite person. Mm. If you read her um, autobiography, which I didn't, but people, it's in German. People say it's brutally honest. Um, so uh, she's she's... Sort of, well, I, I was saying she's sort of been in the news. There are all these books on Weimar and the Pacific on the German expats, and she's part of that. Um, mm -hmm. And there's another one coming out. Okay. Uh, so there. Um, the uh, And my nephew is translating parts of her her autobiography. You come from a very eminent family, Mickey. You don't have to rub it in. Whereas I, you know, I come from humble origins, but do know or thought I knew until <laughs> I wilted under your skepticism. I thought I knew who played Spartacus. I, anyway, I think I know why I made the mistake, but it was a horrible mistake. Uh, we, we agree on something. So this uh, RFK uh, anti-Semitism thing. What'd you think of this? This uh... I'm the last man. I'm the last man to charge anti-Semitism, as you know. And I thought what he said was crazy and kooky, mm -hmm. but it wasn't what we heard wasn't necessarily anti-Semitic. I mean, he, he this idea of, of the anti-Semitic trope is designed to let you accuse people of anti-Semitism when they're not being anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, and anti-Semitism anti would be, you know, Jews are horrible people. They're, you know, they only care about money. They drink the blood of Gentiles, blah, blah, blah. They're inferior. That, that would be we, well above the threshold. Be, yes, I would say that, that would be anti-Semitic. But saying, yeah. saying, uh, you know, I, 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 this disease 
seems to affect some ethnicities more than others. And I'm told that it's Chinese and Jews that it affects less than others. And he, he prefaced it and ended it even in private, I think, with a bunch of disclaimers, how it might be bullshit. Uh, uh, well, fine, but he they, did they, say... They, they're, they're, uh, you know, the, the, the memo went out two weeks ago, get RFK Jr. And, and uh, you know, members of his family are being forced to denounce him. And it's like, it's like, it's a, it's a scarily efficient operation. Well, Take come on, he's, he's given him a lot of raw material here. I mean, he did, he did say in the course wasn't of that, in public. He did say, now, I, I don't know whether this was intentionally targeted. And I mean, come on, does he really think that uh, somebody developed the COVID vaccine in order to hit a specific ethnicity? I mean, the funny thing is that if he does have a sneaking suspicion like that, he's thinking about the Chinese, not Jews. I mean, uh, you know, he is, uh, I mean, first of all, you know, his, his uh his vaunted uh, iconoclastic courage on foreign policy. Ask him about Israel, okay? He's suddenly Chuck Schumer. I mean, he he is he is very careful about that issue. Um, that must be because of his anti-Semitism. Well, that's I suppose you could argue that it's uh, <laughs> that that's it's the case. Compensating. He, I, I think it's, I think it's more uh, political antennae that were honed in American politics, but um, but. Oh, yeah. uh, but anyway, you know, I tweeted, uh, I quote tweeted him because he, everyone was saying this is an anti-Semitic trope. And I quote tweeted like, okay, it's, it's, it's good to people noting the anti-Semitic uh, subtexts. And I tried to put that in a way where I didn't mean to be saying I was sure he meant that, but depends on your meaning of subtext. I said, but I wish more people would note the Sinophobic uh, subtext because at this point, in history, I think that's as dangerous as anti-Semitism in terms of the, the consequences. Yeah. I think they're both bullshit. We should be able to talk about the chi China as a non-transparent society. We don't know what's going on. So people are going to speculate about what they're doing. And there's always been speculation for decades that people uh, are looking for ethnically targeted bombs, even much mm -hmm. less diseases. Diseases is obvious. And different different ethnicities get different diseases. There's sickle cell anemia. There's, uh, you know, Tay-Sachs disease. There are all sorts of diseases that seem to be ethnically targeted. And why shouldn't people speculate that the the brightest, most evil minds in the world might be trying to come up with something that's ethically targeted? I think if it's a crazy speculation, you should rein yourself in. That's what I think. It was Wait, a, he was at a dinner party. He wasn't. He didn't get a speech about it. Before he was talking to, to the people next to him at a dinner party. Yeah, but it's it's a window on his on his mind, and 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 I think before even in that group, before casting saying something that will cast dispersions on one or two ethnic groups, you know, you should be careful and make sure you got your shit together. And you know, that's the other thing. How I mean, do you he, get your shit together if you can't talk to people? Do the research for starters. I think he he virtually asserts, if you if you look at the way he said it, that we not only know that there was differential impact on different groups. And, and by the way, there's a billion explanations for this, right? I mean, being Jewish right. is correlated with socioeconomic status, quality of health care, all kinds of things. I mean, this is just, right. this, it's like, it's you like do not deserve impact. to run for, everything to be taken is, seriously as a presidential a candidate. Impact. Right, it's just, this is just crazy, stupid shit. But I think he went further I'll, and I'll, asserted I'll, I'll, I'll that, give you crazy, stupid shit. Okay, 
Well, that's relevant if you're okay. Um, anyway, two things. I think he went on went further and asserted uh, if you uh, that I, we also knew that it was biochemically engineered that that we knew why it was affecting these different ethnic groups differently. I strongly suspect that's wrong. I mean, he this guy is not very discerning about which data uh, to embrace. No, but if we're prohibited from discussing the lab leak theory for a year, it's going to be harder to get that data. So I'm not, I'm not, what is, where did that come from? I I have myself argued in the Washington post that we need to take the lab leak hypothesis seriously. Now, final thing. So on that quote tweet of mine, it was quote tweeted by your friend, Annie Bardak, right? Who writes about Cuba. Right. My quote to you is quote to you. And she says something like, shut your trap, Bobby. And I thought she was talking about me. In retrospect, so I replied like, very nice, polite reply, like, was there something? I, right, I, she meant Bobby Jr. She meant Bobby, she meant Bobby uh, her, her, her husband's named Bobby too, so he could have been. So she's used to saying that, up. right. For, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like RFK Jr. I don't think he should be running for president. His only utility as, is as a measure of discontent with Biden. Uh, and he's very useful in that respect. Uh, and he isn't going anywhere, uh, in part, I guess, because of the concerted effort to stop it, but also because he's not qualified. People don't think he should be president. People would rather have Biden. Uh, so it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's, but but I don't know why anti-Semitism always has to be hauled out. It's not like the big gun that, that people think it is, and it's also, it's, it's it has a cry-wolf effect. It's like, People are insensitized now to because the anti-defamation leave cries anti-Semitism at the drop of a hat. So when the real thing comes along, they'll just go, oh, it's the anti-defamation league again. No, I agree on that. But that, that's partly because they're, they're focused on muting criticism of Israel and they're well, they have of, this new guy the, who's turned them into something they didn't used to. Be. I mean, they John, used to Jonathan be. whatever. Yeah, that guy. Right. They, they, under Abe Foxman, they were one kind of bad. And under this guy, they're, not, they're, they're too woke for you probably now, right? They, yes. They're both uh-huh. woke and hair trigger uh, anti-Semitism accusations. And uh, they used to be just the latter. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, that's mm. uh, the view from Beverly Hills. Okay. Well, well uh, the, the, anyway... The, there are a couple of political things to talk about, important political things. One, okay. Ron DeSantis, after after like having this crazy online campaign where he avoided mainstream media outlets and you know had his had his pack, the never back down pack, tweeting all sorts of crazy things about with homoerotic and homophobic imagery. Uh, uh, he decided to give it, interviews to the mainstream media. And it turns out he's really good at it. He's not great. He's not entertaining. You don't like want to tune in because it's a good time. But he's professional. He he exudes executive authority. He's nuanced. He's on top of the policy. He's better than any other Republicans running. Uh, you know, with the only possible exception would be Trump. And and Nikki Haley is winning and engaging. Maybe in a way he's not. But he's doing well for himself. And so maybe this the the the, the this idea that. Tr- 
that he's, uh, you know, he's floundering and he's a doom spiral was, was bullshit. He's, uh, he, he, he benefits from being crazy before for what I call the follow-up principle, right? You, the follow-up principle is if you act like a crazy right winger and say, let's kill the Jews. And then you get into the public spotlight after you got out of those publicity and say, no, no, we want all people to live in harmony. Everybody says that Falwell, he's a nice guy. He's much better than expected. And if he just said that all along, nobody would even pay attention to him. So he benefits from the Falwell principle. It, it turns out he's not that bad a guy, uh, even though some of his positions are still too extreme. And uh, so he, so that strategy is going to work for him. He's a bobblehead. I mean, you have to get used to the head bobbing up and down. You mean and literally like, physically or? He's literally physically a bobblehead. His head is constantly bobbling. Is, he, met, is he metaphorically one? No, but I think mm -hmm. the, the Ron DeSantis bobblehead doll is, is unnecessary. He is a bobblehead doll. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but, you know, people get used to that. And he has a whiny voice and he's not, he's not, it's not like he has no humor. He has some humor, but it, there's, there's not a whole lot of it. Um, not a lot. So, but he's good enough. He's good enough. And he's, you know, he's, he has a shot in Iowa and in New Hampshire, which is supposed to be a bad state for him. He's only like 13 points behind. That's nothing in New Hampshire. That's nothing in oh, New Hampshire I, a week before think, the election. I, I do think you said that last week and you should come up with one, a new promising DeSantis sign each week. Oh, I thought that was a new poll. Wasn't that this week's poll? I think, uh, maybe I saw you I think say that. that I think Twitter the New Hampshire and... Granite State poll was this week. And the other um, thing is there's also this Monmouth poll which is, is a, shows that Trump is not doing very well at all against Biden, losing 47 to 40. And that either means he would never do very well or, you know, everybody's looking for a sign that the indictments are finally having an effect and people are finally getting tired of Trump. I would, I would never get on that train early. You need more than just one poll. But uh, it's a bad poll for Trump. Yeah. Um so if DeSantis is so good and uh, just sit down with MSM, where did that trope come from that, uh, and this was really around circulating uh, a month or two ago, that all these would-be donors, as soon as they talk to him, they're so deeply unimpressed that they back out. You heard this, right? Well, yeah, it was more that they're souring on him, and it could have been because he was not doing that well in the polls as well as they expected. You know, he, he was he was originally like all ready to overtake Trump, but then Trump was indicted and he went back mm -hmm. down and Trump went back up. Uh, and uh, that seemed obviously what was happening. And they so they were upset he wasn't doing that well at the polls. They also have their own donor reasons not to like him, which is if they're corporate types, they don't like the attacks on Disney. If they're traditional Republican donor types, they don't like the hard line on immigration what I like about him, what they don't like. Him. So, you know, the, all sorts of reasons they could tell him. And he's not as winning as the DeSantis of your dreams. If you build up, you build up this, I, you know, but they should know that. They're donors. They'd been with him before. I don't think it's that he was unwinning in person. I think for people like me, he was less winning than I had hoped for because I had hoped, I, you know, I put a lot of hopes and dreams on him. And, uh, he had to be this dream candidate, but he's did good you, enough. Did you have a sit? Were you at some gathering with him? I went to one of his fundraising events mm -hmm. in Florida, where all these donors were, and he was perfectly okay and not humorless. But, uh, uh, but you know, he he wasn't JFK in the charisma department. 
Now, speaking of JFK, did you see this poll showing how much better RFK does among Republicans and among Democrats? No, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, doubt that. He's, 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 it was a favorables, unfavorables thing. I mean, he's, he's, he's following the Mickey Cow strategy of running in the Democratic primary, saying things Republicans like. So if he ran as a third party, I can tell you, Bob, it's a loser in California, even if you're not me and are a better candidate than me. It's a loser in California. Uh, oh, it's a loser for him. better but, nationally. But my question is, if he ran as a third party candidate, would that help Biden then? It might. I don't think we know. I, I don't think we know how it would affect it. There was, the other the other takeaway from this Monmouth poll is the third party candidate. If it's Manchin, doesn't have that much effect. Biden still beats Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if it's RFK, maybe hurts a little more because maybe RFK is more of a purchase on the Democratic Party than Manchin does. On the other hand, I think this 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 get this get RFK campaign has pretty much diminished his appeal to Democrats. Uh, <laughs> Look, I, I I mean I agree there's a campaign, but I don't think it took a campaign. I think he was ultimately an unappealing candidate for Democrats to begin with. Right, but the campaign was sort of scary. All of a sudden, every op-ed person, everybody you know, everybody on Twitter, everybody emailing you was suddenly kill RFK Jr. Let's show, sorry, well, it's a combination. Get, get of, RFK Jr. It's a combination of triggering issues for them. There's COVID and the vaccine. There's Ukraine. And then there's miscellaneous crazy shit that he says. And there's miscellaneous reasonable shit he's saying about the border and wokeism. Uh, oh, right, but the border and, and, and is that's, also that's triggering the, for them. That's the stuff they're really worried about. No, I, I'm not passing judgment on the merits of these things. I'm saying that for the crowd that you're saying went after him, these are all triggers. Everything you've, you know, wokeism, border, Ukraine, COVID vaccine. It's all, it's, this is like he's just, he's just got a bullseye on his back, obviously. I don't think that tra- all the traditional people who denounced him, like all the Kennedys that came forward, do they really care about the border? I don't know. No, I'm not saying all of them care. I'm not saying everyone cares about everything. I don't think they're triggered by by him going and saying the border is out of control. Why I don't do think you, JFK would have let the border get out of control. I don't think his father would oh, have well, let the border okay, that, get that, out of control. I, I agree. That's not one of the top two. Uh, I don't think Bill Clinton would let the border get this out of control. I don't know. I hear you, you should debate Bill Sher. He keeps saying. I think he well, Bjorkas gets the Academy Award for sweeping the problem under the rug and sluicing the maximum number of migrants in here allegedly legally without having photo ops of them massing at the border. So to that extent, he's been effective. But if you want actual, just actual, like lower the numbers to the numbers they're supposed to be at the border, he hasn't been doing that. He's been you know, letting millions and millions of people in. Mickey, again, I hesitate to challenge you on Hollywood things, given your ancestry, but is there an Academy Award for sweeping things under the rug? I don't know. He's Hollywood royalty too, Bob. He went to Beverly High along with me. Did he? Yeah. I guess you've told me this. You're so plugged in. But, but, but at the same time, did you know him? Did you hang out? He's, he's younger than I am, Bob. Hard to believe. He looks so youthful. It is hard to believe. It is hard to believe. Um, uh, that's what they say on the dating sites too. 
So I think I was wrong about that Netflix dating game. I think I misunderstood maybe, but still the sex bots are coming. Remember where you heard it? Fifth or sixth. One thing I wanted you to, um, to talk about is this Rob Malley mystery. I know yeah. he's a hero. He's a hero of yours. He's our, he's, he's one, one of our one or two top envoys to try to revive the Iran nuclear accords. And all of a sudden he disappears from sight because he's under review for some scandal they won't tell us about that probably has to do with him giving classified material to Iranians, but maybe not. Who knows? It's all very mysterious. Why would Biden want to do that to him? I don't know. And it wasn't, uh, I, you're right. You're right. I do. I mean, he's not a hero of mine, but I do, uh, I do I, like I him. Thought by he, had large... cognitive, he had cognitive empathy. He does. I, I, he does. Peter Beinert actually, I think wrote a thing about that and maybe I did too, but, uh, no, he's pretty, he's pretty good on, on Middle Eastern stuff. Uh, and that's his bailiwick. Uh, he was, he wrote a thing for the New York Review of Books long ago saying, you know, back when everyone was saying, well, the Palestinians were offered a two-state solution and they turned it down because they don't want blah, blah, blah. And he wrote this thing uh, saying that, I forget whether this was more about Camp David or about the, what was it, Abba or some, some subsequent, some follow-up. Anyway, that they weren't offered it was much more complicated than that. Uh, and so, Did he yeah. Write, there was one very important article that said that. Did he write that article? I think he maybe co-authored it, but it was in the New York Review of Books. He was he was an author or co-author of a okay. thing to that effect in the New York Review like 20 years ago, almost. Because everybody, uh, was, everybody was pissing on Arafat for seizing defeat from victory, and he was saying it wasn't such a victory. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he was saying it was it was far from a deal that he couldn't refuse. Um didn't he like was it the Obama administration or something where he got sidelined or 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 disqualified for some position or something because he had been secretly meeting with Palestinians? And of course, you know, secret meetings le can lead to a lot of good things diplomacy wise. I mean, a lot of things. In fact, the whole Iran, the whole Iran deal began with negotiations that weren't public. But um, I think he also secretly met with the radians even after Trump took office. I think it was, or in, in the interim, in the, in the interregnum or something. Anyway, the answer is, I don't know any more than you do. I've seen references to it in the news. I have not inquired among, in, in my vast network of uh, insiders, which I, I should do. If they were really a concerted effort, they would go after Burns too, right? If they, uh, if they were concerted enough to take down all the Bob Wright heroes who might have too much empathy for the, for the enemy. Even I don't think that this is at its core an anti-Bob Wright campaign. And I think that most things in the world are, Mickey, but not this. Um, and they have the goods on Burns. They, they have a, a useful weapon to, to attack Burns if they want to use it. Burns is feeling his oats, man. He's, uh, he's been, he's been uh, in, he was, I think it was at Aspen again. He was interviewed and was, I don't know, doing more in the way of, Maybe not quite trash talk, but him and Blinken both within the last week or so, more than I think is a good idea. But, you know, the modern idea, I mean, trash talk toward Russia, uh, some sort that's of- That's what they wanted the Aspen ideas for. Well, I know they, and and people should resist. I mean, that's what the whole environment wants. That's what social media wants. That's what, you know, every everything in the modern uh, environment is designed to bring out the worst in us. And only you and I are resisting success. Have you been to the Aspen Ideas Festival, Bob? I was one year. I gave a talk. Uh, I was plugging a book. I had a book to plug. There, 
That's one more year than I've ever been. Lucky oh, yeah. I'm not bitter about it. But at least you've been to Davos twice like I have, right, Mickey? Um, oh, I'm sorry. I was getting you mixed of, up, up with somebody else, Mickey. I'm sorry. Up to a point. No, up I'm to sorry. A point. Listen, we've been um, doing this a while. I, I don't okay. mean... I don't mean like career-wise. I'm not announcing our retirement. I mean, I mean, this is all. This is about an hour almost. We should go to the parrot room. Okay. We, um, we have a lot to talk about in the parrot room. Okay. Uh, Keep track of it because I'm not writing it down. What is it? Uh, we have the uh, recrudescence of the big guy. The the Biden corruption scandal took a major leap forward this week, uh, at least in terms of publicity with this hearing on whistleblowers and Senator Grassley releasing some info. And the key info to my mind involves the term big guy. Uh, now, I, I have some stuff on that, that, that you may like. Oh, great. Um, we have, uh, a new form of electric car paranoia that was introduced by a neighbor of mine. Why you should be scared of your electric car. Mm. Uh, there were some very bad labor statistics for blacks that got swept under the rug last month. And I, I was going to talk about it last week, and I think pretty sure I forgot. So I want to talk about it this week. Mm -hmm. uh, they're still bad. Uh, there's Trump plans, what Trump's going to do to the government if he wins. Boy, he's going to do a number on the government. Uh, we have Marty Paris's autobiography coming out. Out. Out already. Mm, have you looked and at read. it? No, uh, Tim Noah. Have you looked for your name in the index? I would never do that, Bob. Did you come up it's empty? So, it's, so, it's so stereotypical. But I actually, there are books where I instantly want to look for my name. And, you know, you can't do it anymore. It's so hacked. Jim Fallows, I think, is the one who said, and maybe he did this. I think maybe he did this. You should publish books without an index so that all the important people will have to read the book. Right. Um, there's, uh, uh, an air, an area where I have sympathy for Xi, the head of China. Yeah. Going to that, uh, how, how unreasonable the Israeli reasonableness standard is. The Israeli reasonableness standard? In other words, Netanyahu wants to, his judicial reform is to, to try to stop the Israeli judiciary from saying, you can't do this. It's not reasonable. Okay. We'll talk about uh, that. We can talk about that. Um, not that I'm pro Netanyahu, but he has a point. Uh, and, and there's, you know, this, this fake electors, the fake electors controversy, which itself, I think is pretty fake. Uh -huh. uh, and suggestive polls from, a small, obscure uh, precinct in Germany. That's right, up there. That's right up there with Worthwhile Canadian Initiative, Mickey. I'm on the edge of my seat. No, it's right up there with uh, why Bill Clinton would recognize some things that Joe Biden doesn't. That's a better he, head. At some, at some point, you're, you may have to abandon your Joe Biden can't win the election uh, argument if more polls come out showing him beating the hell out of Trump. I will abandon that argument at the earliest in mid-November of next year. 
Uh, okay. Oh, and they're all the they're all the trials and what's going to happen with the trials and. Oh yeah, what's that? What's the, the deal with Trump? This 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 pending new whole new indictment. Yeah, yeah. We can talk about that. We can talk about that. So also, uh, Ed Lutvak's Ukraine peace plan. I want to talk about. Ask you if it's. I'm going to ask you if he's crazy, and then ask you if the plan is crazy. Uh, Tony Bennett died. Uh, I have something to say about that. Uh. Meta, I want to talk more about Meta, but not about Threads, this time about their uh, dubious AI policy. Llama 2 has, has been released. This time it didn't escape. Um, and, uh, oh, there's a, I want you to, this should become a regular feature. Uh, tell me whether I'm just an old cranky guy or have a valid aversive reaction to a certain kind of thing I see online. You know, that's all, that's always a question, right? Like, am I just old or is this really annoying? You know what I mean? Or both could be both. I mean, it could is be both because I am old and they're annoying. But is it things, only but, annoying because you're old and you're not with right. it? Is it only annoying? Yeah. These are cases where I can't articulate why it's so annoying. And yet I feel in my heart that it is, you know, this should be a regular feature. Yeah, it should. Because there's a lot of things like that. Why is this so annoying? Yes, there is. We should come up with a catchy name for it. Kenneth Masanoi. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. We will. So, so that and other things in the Parrot Room at patreon.com slash Parrot Room. Also, if you smash the like button right now, uh, what will happen, Mickey? Good things. Good things will uh, happen to those who, who 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 smash like. As I think that's in the Bible. You can call me the big guy. You can call me the big guy. I will do that in the pair room. See you.